Today I'd like to speak on the topic of growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Earlier today I was reading the second epistle of St. Peter the Apostle, and in it he warns us that we must persevere in the Catholic faith, in the Christian faith, um, and we must be aware of the dangers of false teachers, those deceivers, those heretics that are out there promising freedoms and corrupting the morality of the faithful. And so he, he even uses in this example uh, the epistles of St. Paul, and he says they wrestle because they're unlearned, because they are unstable. They distort the scriptures, St. Paul's letters, and the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. But he says for us, since we know this beforehand, to be on guard, lest carried away by the errors of the foolish, we fall away. So it's important for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do we mean by the term growth? Well, we see that all things that have life, have that's one of the attributes, the properties of life, is that it grows. Um, we look at the plants, the animals, even, even human life. Uh, there's this, this process of maturation, growing, getting larger in size, um, from a small plant or a small animal, a, a child even, a baby, uh, and growing into full adulthood. And, you know, it's, 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 you see a, a young little child, a, a newborn baby, and they're small, and that's fine as a baby, but if the person is 20 years old and is still in this state, we would say that's something really wrong. Or if they were 80 years old and they hadn't matured, that would be something horrible for that person. So we see how... In the natural life, there's such a disorder in that. So also in the spiritual life, there must be some conformity. There must be some greater growth as time goes on. Um, we think of um, nutrition. So the plants receive their water, their uh, minerals from the ground. And in animals as well, they have receiving food. They receive their nutrition and are able to grow. Well, so also in the spiritual life as well, we must feed our life. We cannot just feed our bodies and ignore the soul. The soul is the most important, you know, aspect of our life because it lives forever and the, the body will, it'll be raised up together. Um, so we must make sure that we're not starving, that we are in sanctifying grace. So that's what we can talk about next. Next is uh, grace itself. Grace is unmerited favor of God that it's not owed to us. It's a free gift of God. And there's such a thing as sanctifying grace, which is given to us at baptism, where the life of God, it's a supernatural life of God that inhabits the soul, and it makes the soul able to participate in the divine life of God, able to receive heaven. Without sanctifying grace, the soul cannot go to heaven. Hell is the option there. Um, so, and God is always wanting to give our souls this sanctifying grace, um, but it's the person that limits, limited it, uh, as with any grace, with, as with actual graces as well. God is always wanting to pour into our lives, but we limit it. We don't allow the Holy Ghost, his operations in our lives. And so God, um, primarily through the sacraments, uh, wants to give us these grace. So we know from baptism we receive sanctifying grace. Uh, we know the definition of a sacrament is a visible sign instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. That gives grace. And so 
We, we consider the other sacraments as well, Holy Eucharist, and uh, which um, builds the life of God in the soul, as well as even penance, which restores the life of God in the soul. So God wants us, by these means, to receive his grace. We also have the virtues. We're to live a virtuous life in this world. For most importantly, having those virtues, those supernatural virtues of faith, hope, and charity, which were required. We have to have the love of God in our soul. It's not sufficient to have just faith. We have to have faith, hope, and charity. These all have to um, be working together. And yes, we're to abide in, in, abide in Christ. So it's the life of God in our soul. It's not anything, a particular action uh, necessarily, but it's the life of God, just being united to Christ. And of course, there are the other virtues as well. We have the four, um, the, the four moral virtues, the, the big four, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Um, and these were to live a virtuous life throughout our, our lives, throughout our life, being conformed to God's will. We also must avoid all the vices. So all the things that are not of God, sin. So these must be eliminated. So one way, one aspect is to go after God and all the virtues and doing uh, that which is good. But the other aspect of it is we must avoid sin in our life. We, we know um, St. John says, love not the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So that must be another aspect that we too, that we refrain from the things of the world, that we, our mind be elevated to the things of God and our heart and our affection set on him, on the things above, not on the things below. We have an important aspect, another means of receiving grace in our life is prayer. So prayer is just our communication with God, raising our minds to God in prayer, um, praising him, thanking him, asking him for the things we need. Um, all these things are important, and it should be a part of our daily life. This is not something that we just, you know, just uh, wake up and just run off to work or wherever we have to go. But no, our, our day needs to be absorbed in prayer. Our minds need to be lifted up to the things of God. And of course, humility is an important aspect of our life in, in grace. God, we know God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the hungry, but gives grace to the humble. And as the last couple of weeks, I've been working on some conferences for the sisters here in the convent. And I've been reading a little bit of St. Therese of Lisieux in her life. And it was a life of humility. She saw the wretchedness, the weakness, the, she saw just her lack in her own life but it was able to raise her up to the heights of God's love because she saw her weaknesses and her uh, inabilities, yet she put her total confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ, and God was able to raise her up to the highest heights on, that a human, you know, in this life in the last hundred years was able to, to achieve. And then we know another means of grace is obedience, just being obedient to whatever our state of life requires, fulfilling our duties of state um, and being obedient to our superiors, whether it be, you know, your parents, if you're young children, your parents, or your employer, or your, you know, those in authorities. We are to, to live a life which is 
that goes along with it, humility. And then we talk about growing as well in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we must know our faith. We must be um, always learning the Catholic faith, not being satisfied, not thinking, oh, I've, I've had my first communion or I've been confirmed, therefore I passed the test. I went through my Baltimore Catechism. I know this. No, it's a process that we never completely, fully um, can have enough of not the knowledge of God. It's something we should always be striving for. Never, never satisfied, never finished, never realize, always realizing that there's still more to learn and there's more to know. God is infinite. And so the knowledge there of knowing God is infinite. Um, we, we must know what God's will is. How are we going to do what we're supposed to do in life unless we know what God's will is? And we know, our, even our Lord Jesus Christ said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only they that who do the will of God. So that should be something always primary in our mind. What is God's will? And not only knowing it, but actually doing it as well. And then another aspect of this, we can look at just always discerning what God's will. Sometimes um, it's pretty obvious what God's will is, maybe in regards to what we should do or what should we not do as far as virtue and as far as vice, avoiding sin. That's pretty obvious sometimes. But what about maybe exactly like what are we to do in our life? Something particular to each aspect, to each one of you, where God has something, perhaps something, um, a vocation or whatever, just something um, in life that he's leading you towards. And so we have to discern God's will. So we need to be, again, knowing, always wanting to know more of God. We have various ways we can know more of God. First of all, I have here the sacred scripture, uh, the Holy Bible. And St. Jerome says, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. So let us not be ignorant of God. Let us um, give our lives, you know, we should, we should always have a part of our day, every day, uh, where we, we're, we're reading and learning and wanting to love God more. And we know what we love, what we know. So it's important if we're going to love something that we know it really well. So let us love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yeah, so let us make this a part of our lives. Maybe spend in 15, 30 minutes, whatever you can each day um, to help you uh, to know God and know his will better. We have other means of, of having knowledge of God. If we read, maybe perhaps we could even pick up a book. Like I've, I've been reading uh, The Life of St. Therese of Lisieux. So having just other lives of the saints that we can just um, read and see how they reacted, how they acted in life, how they lived, how they put their hope in God, how all their faith was in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that they loved him with everything. And so that's something we should always strive to do is always add that up in a part of our life, some kind of sort of reading of um, the saints. And then I have here a catechism. This one is uh, the catechism explained. I have a, a Tuesday night class here, an adult doctrine class at 7 p.m. And this is the book we've been going through. So it's by Spirago Korak, The Catechism Explained. It's, as you can see, it's a very large book. And we're about that far through already. So we've been, we started out with just learning some of the prayers. 
And then going through, the book is kind of broken up into four parts. So the first part is prayers. The second part is doctrine. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So we've been going through the 12 articles of the creed. And right now we're in the process. We're in actually, uh, since before this quarantine started, um, in the church. So we're studying the church. But after this section, which will be, well, we have a few more months in this section, we'll get into uh, morality, just, you know, the Ten Commandments and all the laws of God, what we should do, what we should not do. And then finally, the last section is that of the means of sanctification. So in as we're studying this catechism, it brings up another topic here. And that's, since we're on the, the, the story, since we're covering um, the church, I found it important at this point to go into more detail. And so we're going now, we've just begun this uh, next section on 100 Years of Modernism by Father Bamo. And, you know, as we, as we know, the Society of St. Pius X, where we see the church is in a crisis um, and it's a it's a crisis of the faith, and it's basically this this modernism that's infected the church. And the church has been in crises before. We can think of the Arian crisis in the four hundred or the three hundreds, where um, a large part of the church was believing the lies. They were following Arius and believing that Christ was not divine. Many bishops, they say, most of the bishops and many of the clergy were infected with this heresy. And we have, we've had other crises the, the, around the time of the Protestant uh, revolt. That was another great crisis in the church. But we are today in another crisis, and that is the modernism that's infected the church, most, most profoundly since the Second Vatican Council. And so what is moder- modernism exactly? It's kind of the harmonizing of traditional doctrine with the new philosophies, you know, um, Immanuel Kant's philosophy and this, this modern biblical criticism, historical um, biblical criticism that um, is really changing the faith. And one of the tenets of, of modernism is the evolution of doctrine, where stuff that was believed, you know, doctrines that were held years ago are no longer held in the same way. And we know that's an error. So it's important for us in, in, in this life, when we say, talk about growing in the faith and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, first of all, we are to know that what's true. And then, so by knowing the true Catholic faith, and then seeing the errors that are present in the world today, in the church today, with just the many of the things that are taught. So that's kind of what we've been going on the last few weeks, um, like I said, before this quarantine began, and that's where we'll leave off. But um, maybe if we have some other um, if I have some another, another talk with Father at a later time, maybe I can kind of just do a review on this. We'll see. But um, anyway, St. Pius X called modernism the synthesis of all heresies. And it's worth, it's worth studying. We need to make sure we know so that as we begin, as St. Peter tells us in the letter, that we persevere in the faith and at the same time that we beware of the false teachers that are out there Promising all kind of freedoms and really leading us away from the truth, leading us away from the salvation that is promised in our Lord Jesus Christ, and leading to the corruption of all all morality. So I thank you 
um, for spending this few minutes with us today on Time with Father. May God bless you.